Welcome back to After Battle. It's me, Daniel Levy, your host. We're going to be talking to Bilal Muhammad. He just defeated Randy Brown, and uh, we got to catch up with him and see what he wants to do next. And then we're going to be joined by Eric Anders. He's a former Alabama Crimson Tide linebacker. Now he's 6-0 in MMA. He's about to fight March 10th in the co-main event at LFA 6. And we know the deal with LFA. They're a direct feeder to the UFC, so... It'll be pretty cool to see him go 7-0 and potentially get that call soon. And last but not least, Jeremy Holloway is going to be joining us. He's taking on David K in the main event at NFC 92, Friday, March 24th, right here in Atlanta, Georgia. First up, Bilal Muhammad. Here we go. Joining me now is Bilal Muhammad. Bilal, welcome back to Half the Battle, man. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Oh, you got it, dude. So you're coming off the huge win over Randy Brown. You took this fight on short notice. You know, his his opponent got injured, and not a lot of dudes wanted to fight him. I mean, the dude's a physical freak. He's like six foot five, super athletic, super dynamic. You had no uh, no issue taking that fight on a week short notice. Yeah, man. Uh, I actually wanted that fight a lot. I thought it was a good matchup for me. So, uh, like, I was calling him out for a while now, and. Uh, they actually they offered me to fight, and it was a week notice. I was like, hey, you know what? I was asking for it, and I've been training. So uh, I'm always going to take a fight no matter what. So I'm always training all year round, so I'm always ready to get in there. What was it about Randy Brown's game that you wanted to expose? Was it the fact that, you know, he is a little bit green, or was there something in particular? I mean, do you not like the guy, or was it solely the styles? No, I just don't like none of the guys that are on that looking for a fight show. Uh, actually, I'm going to go after every single one of them guys. Uh, I don't like the way they get into it. I don't think none of them guys are good. And uh, this is getting attention for that show. And I had to take a long route. And uh, honestly, like, the only person that was on that show was really worth it was Sage. So. Oh, so this is a paying your dues type thing. Yeah, exactly, man. I had to take a long route. And uh, so I had to take a long road, fight tougher guys, and then these guys really haven't fought anybody. And just because they're on that show, they got it. I heard you wanted to fight Mickey Gall next. Is that true? Oh, man. Yeah, I really hope they give me that fight right there. I'm asking for that one. You think there's a chance they make it, man? I don't know, man. I think they're trying to protect him. And uh, I don't think he'd want that fight. But, uh, I mean, he's in the UFC, so there's not going to be any easy fights for him. So I'm hoping that he mans up. Yeah, man, uh, it would be really good. And, you know, I was actually surprised he won his last fight against Sage. I thought Sage was going to whoop his ass. But, you know, props to him for getting it done. But against a guy like you, it's a completely different ball game. Yeah, uh, I think Sage just got emotional in there. I think actually, I think if Sage would have just been more calm in there, he would have won that fight easily. Uh, but he just got emotional. He let, he let it get to his head, all the trash talking that I think he always gets to. So, uh, yeah, I think type that. I like guys that trash talking. I like guys that think they're funny and... Uh, talk it up because uh, I'm still going there and punch you in the face and uh, keep my cool. That's what's up, man. Now, I got a question about your fight before the uh, the Randy Brown fight. Now, with you know, you're a dude that's big on loyalty. Did you find out who really had your back after that fight? Yeah, that's a big thing, man. Once you go through a, a loss like that, you, you see who sticks with you, the people that are still supporting you, the people that are still coming at you, asking you how you are, not just right after the fight, people that are sticking with you the whole time, so... You really know who's uh, really got your back, and uh, I like I actually like that it happened like that. So now I know who's the real people, who's not. I mean, that's awesome. It's a it's almost a blessing in disguise. And you know what's cool about it is that 
it happens to every single fighter, but you learn who's mentally tough and who's not. You know, for example, you look at a guy like Bisbing, he goes in there against Hendo, and a lot of dudes would have never came back to fight another day. Not only does he come back to fight another day, he faces other setbacks that are just as bad, and he still perseveres, and now he's holding that belt, Bilal. Yeah, man, this is a muscle game, man. This is a hurt business, man. Nobody's in there ever not going to go in there and not get hurt. You seem like the greatest people in the world lose. You see, it's still to lose like that. And uh, they keep coming back. It's all about if you're strong mentally, you're, you're going to be the, one of the best fighters out there no matter what. If you're weak mentally, after a loss or even when you're in the lose the first round or something like that, then it'll snowball effect and you lose the rest of the rounds. I'm one of the guys that I'm strong mentally no matter what, and uh, I'm just going to keep fighting no matter what. Yeah, well, we know the mental part's in check. Now let's talk about the technical aspect, man. Was it simply a matter of getting caught, or was there something technical there that you can fix? No, I mean, I just got caught. It was, uh, it was uh, just getting caught early in the fight. But uh, I actually uh, moved down to Milwaukee, working with uh, Duke Rufus full-time now. Uh, before I was just part-time over there, now I'm full-time over here now, working with great guys over here, working on just technique, little stuff that you really don't think about. And uh, it's raised my game a lot. And I just, from being here for like a month, when I took that Randy Brown fight by the game, just changed so much that I want to see how I'm going to be continuing on over there. Dude, you guys have been absolutely killing it. I mean, yourself, Sergio, Gerald, Paul Felder now. I mean, what's the vibes been like at Rufus Sport lately? Because I, I can feel it, man. You guys are putting on serious shows. Yeah, man, it's been great. Everybody's been uh, winning. Iron sharpens iron, so everybody's right back in the gym right after their fight, so it feels good. And when, when the team's winning, that makes everybody's uh, momentum keep going, man. So it feels good knowing that that is the energy is high right now in the gym. And uh, you got guys in there that are fighting, and then uh, right when they're done fighting, they're right back in the gym helping everybody else out last fight. So I just love the energy there. So it feels good just to have that type of uh, atmosphere right now in the gym. Man, that's so amazing, man. I mean, it's serious brotherhood. I mean, I see you with uh, T. Wood when y'all are posting those videos. Who got my back? I mean, you know, for a lot of people, they might think it's just some chant, but I bet when you're in there and you're actually saying those words, man, it, it must, like, feel surreal to, to have that kind of support around you. Yeah, man. It's not one of those things where it's like a fake chant where you say, I want to a three team or something like that. that you, that's one of those things you got to get feeling in there. And that just puts everybody together, makes them uh, – Makes it more of a brotherhood, where you're all saying it and you really mean it. So over there, you really, you know, they really mean it when they're saying it. So it feels good to know that them guys over there got your back no matter what. You win or lose, you know your team's still gonna be there with you, helping you no matter what. Absolutely. Now speaking of the champ T Wood, he's obviously taking out Wonder Boy again. It's a rematch, and look in the first fight. The way I broke it down was, look, I picked Wonderboy every single fight in his run except, you know, the title shot because when you look at a karate guy, they're amazing with their distance if they know what they're doing. So if you want to beat a karate guy, you need a guy that can close that distance, and I feel like there's no one better at closing the distance at 170 pounds than the champ T. Wood. So what do you think is going to go down in the rematch, man? Yeah, man, I think honestly T. Wood won that first fight, so the second fight is going to be a lot easier for him. He saw what he was able to do when he took uh, Wonderboy down and uh, how bad he hurt him. And then I think the second fight, he's going in there with that mentality like, yeah, I should have finished him out the first fight, so this fight seems to be worse for uh, Wonderboy. Because he was one of those guys where if he catches your distance, he, he, he clocks you, you're, you're dropping no matter what. So and the way Wonderboy fights, he, he fights with his hands down. So now the fact that T-Wood saw his style already, he's seen it already, so now he's just working on 
closing the distance a lot faster, and I think you're going to be able to close it a lot earlier this time in the fight. Man, I mean, I've noticed a lot of times with a lot of these fights when they go the full five-round distance and then they have a rematch, the rematch tends to end inside the distance. You think it's going to be an early night, or are we expecting another war? Yeah, yeah, I think it's really going to be an early night, honestly, because, like I said, Wonderboy's one of those guys where he has that weird style where you really don't you don't see that a lot. So it's kind of hard when you first fight him to be acclimated to his style. So now that fact that T-Wood saw his style and he's working with guys that that are that type of fighter, so now that they know how Wonderboy's time the first time, they're going to keep coming at T-Wood practicing that same style. So it's a lot easier this time, this training camp, because he already knows what Wonderboy's going to bring. Wonderboy doesn't really know what T-Wood's going to bring because T-Wood can take you down, knock you out, kick you, tear your ACL with a kick, you know, give me anything. Dude, you know what's hilarious? I've heard a lot of people saying stuff like, uh, oh, this time Wonderboy's going to use his kicks, and it's like, well, did you watch the first fight? T-Wood completely shut off that part of his game, so it's like, I can't believe people don't even know that, man. Isn't that kind of funny? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, that's funny. I don't get why people are uh, saying that. It's not like Wonderboy has a different style. He has that kicking style, and then T-Wood literally shut that down the first time they fought. So the second time they fought, T-Wood's going to make it even worse for Wonderboy, I think. I do as well. And what's your opinion on Khabib versus Tony Ferguson? Because, I mean, it's so intriguing. With Khabib, literally every single man he's fought, all 24 men he's fought, have faltered under that pressure that he brings to the table. But when you talk about a guy like Tony Elkukui Ferguson, I mean, you know, snap down city. He calls it that for a reason. The dude's had more Darce Choke finishes in the UFC than anyone else. This is an intriguing matchup. What do you think, dude? Honestly, I think Khabib's going to kill him. I think... uh... Tony Ferguson is not going to have anything for it to be. Tony Ferguson gets hit a lot in his fight, and he's one of those guys that tries to like, walk through punches. I think Khabib is going to be able to just... Khabib actually has pretty good stand-up when you look at it, when you watch his fight. I think they're going to hit him and then take him down. And on the ground, I don't think Ferguson is going to have anything for it to be. Khabib literally like a freaking... Literally a bear in there. Yeah, I mean, he wrestles with bears. So that was the word on the street in his childhood, you know what I mean? So so just like uh, Wonder Boy versus Woodley, you don't think that Khabib versus Tony is going to be a close fight? No, I don't think that one's really going to be a close fight. I think Khabib is, like, next level to any uh, to top guys in that division. So I think that none of them guys are really going to be able to wrestle with his grappling. Yeah, I cannot wait for that one, dude. Let's talk about you, man. So, obviously, you know, you called out Mickey Gall. You just had the unbelievable 30-27 against Randy Brown. I mean, are we just going to campaign for the Mickey Gall fight, or what are you looking to do, bro? Uh, Honestly, I I just really don't feel like I fought. Like, I sat there, and I'm looking at myself right now. I've been training uh, this week. (laughs) It's one of those where you don't feel like you just fought just because... You're usually during your fight, you're you're doing a six week camp. You have to sit there mentally thinking about it the whole time. This week, this time, I just literally took a fight there. We noticed didn't think about it a lot easier. So now I'm sitting there like, man, I, I need another fight. And everybody tell me, dude, you just fought like a week ago. Just relax. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really feel like a fight. So honestly, I'm trying to get anything they give me. Uh, I just want to keep moving forward. Trying to get at least four or five fights in this year, and uh, just keep the momentum going. Dude, that's a really interesting mindset. Uh, let me ask you about that, man, because obviously you're the kind of guy that stays in shape year-round, right? You're always training. So would you prefer to just take short-notice fights? <laughs> that's funny, because I just told uh, one of my boys that uh, I train with. I said, yeah, I'm just going to start staying in shape and then just looking for a short-notice fight, uh, <laughs> uh, not even taking a, a long-term fight. I'm just like, that, that's a big thing, too, where when you take a short-notice, short-notice fight, their opponent thinks that you were in training or thinks that, 
they've had a long camp, but I've been training all year round. I train with monsters, so it's like I'm always in camp no matter what. So I just didn't have to go through that whole mental thing of thinking, oh, watch the tape of my opponent, thinking what he's doing right now, watching his Facebook, seeing what he's posting, all the other garbage. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you said you wanted to fight Randy Brown for a while. So when you actually got in there with him and locked horns, was it easier or tougher than you expected? Uh, I mean, it was easier than I expected. It was a lot better than I expected. I, I was able to uh, to use what my coaches uh, were showing me the whole camp. Uh, now that I have coaches watching and tell me what they want from me in that fight. Uh, I mean, he's a tough fighter. I think he's going to be good. He's, he's better than I expected. Like, he wasn't, he wasn't a scrubber or anything. I think he's going to be a good fighter. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I've just been training with Monster, man, and I was a lot, I was a lot really hungry uh, coming off that loss, so nobody was going to be able to stop me this fight. Yeah, Randy's got a lot of potential, dude. So, you know, when he goes on, you know, a five-fight win streak now, you're going to look back at every single win with a smile. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to be one of those things where he'll probably end up later in title contention and type things like that, and I'm just going to look at it like, yeah, I beat that guy. Yeah, exactly, man. Hell yeah. What's it like having a dude like Paul Felder in the gym? Because it seems like at Rufus Sport, that's the perfect place for a dude like Paul Felder. Yeah, man, it was, uh, it was great having him down there, man. Like I said, uh, he was down there and I was helping him a lot for his camp. So it's all good to keep me in that fight shape, keep me in that fight, uh, getting that new look of that uh, Muay Thai guy. And uh, he's one of those guys that was like, yeah, every single practice, no matter what, like, Three, three packs of the day, so it was funny because he, he lived in the gym. So every time he went to walk into the gym, he was always there. He was always down there. <laughs> That's what's up, man. So, dude, after your fight, you know, obviously you mentioned that you're in Milwaukee now full time, but I know you had to get in a little uh, deep dish pizza after that win, right? <laughs> yeah, man. I definitely had a couple bad days. So, uh, uh, definitely had to hit some jogs after, after went down last week. So, that's why I needed to get back in the gym. Yeah, exactly, man. Now, did any of your friends uh, tell you about how they bet a lot of money on you? Because you were actually the underdog in that fight, man. Because I think because it was short notice, and that dude was six foot five. That you know, and and you were coming off a loss, so people were probably counting you out a little bit. Yeah, it was funny. I literally had like ten people message me. Oh, I made a lot of money. I was gonna made a lot of money off you. People that I didn't even know. I was getting like picture messages from them. Like, all right, cool. Thank you for dinner. Yeah, exactly, right? Tip tip me $100 from that grand you won, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but uh, dude, so obviously you're going to take a short notice fight if they give you one, but you'll also take a regular notice fight. But if it were up to you, when does Bilal Muhammad step back inside the octagon? Uh, man, I, I see them uh, posting that UFC Nashville card. I want to I go to Nashville, so that would be cool just to get on that card. So uh, hopefully they give me something for that one. Oh, yeah, that's down south, man. It's only three-and-a-half-hour drive for me. I was actually thinking about attending. Have you ever been to Nashville? No, I've never been there, but I heard it's really nice down there. Dude, it is really nice. You know, if you get the chance to fight there after your fight, definitely do a little uh, sightseeing because it is one of those, you know, iconic-type places, man. But, dude, Bilal, thanks for the time, brother, and uh, let the audience know where they can follow you and anything else you want to plug. Go ahead, dude. Thank you, bro. I appreciate uh, having me on the show again. Uh, uh... You can find me on uh, Twitter at BullyB170, Instagram at BullyB170, and uh, Facebook at Bilal Mohammed. And uh, just a quick shout-out to uh, my sponsor, uh, Combat Corner, one of the best gear out there, and uh, Diamond Cup, and uh, I just want to say uh, Khabib Chen. Joining me now on Half the Battle is Eric Anders. Eric, welcome back to Half the Battle, man. I appreciate you having me again. 
Oh, you got it, dude. So, I mean, last time we spoke, you were about to make your Bellator debut. You go out there, knock the guy out in 20 seconds. Now you're fighting an LFA. I, I got to know what went down, man. Uh, man, you know, you know, Bellator never came with the with the multi fight contract. So, you know, we were shopping around a little bit. I signed with a new management company with uh, Iridium Sports Agency. Uh, my manager, Jason House, uh, and just days after signing with them, uh, you know, Legacy, you know, gave gave the call. So, you know, that, that's not a bad deal to have, you know, because they're, you know, they feed directly into the UFC. So if I go in there and do what I'm supposed to do for Legacy, uh, there's not there's not a doubt in my mind that, you know, I, I'll get that call sooner or later. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, man. I mean, it's almost like a blessing in disguise because they are a direct feeder to the UFC. But I'm kind of curious, like, what kind of statement do you have to make for Bellator for them to re-sign you? Because you're not the first person I heard, you know, this thing happening to. You know, my buddy David K. he set the record for the second fastest submission in Bellator history. He went 3-0 and in Bellator, and then they never called him again, man. Uh, man, you know, I don't know. You know, that that's out of my control, so I don't worry about it. You know, I just worry about the things that I can control, and, you know, that's not one of them. So I'm signed with Legacy now, so... Looking to make some waves and knock some cats out in Legacy and, uh, you know, see if I can take it to the next level. Well, that's a great attitude, man, because, I mean, look, everything is going well now. You're in the co-main event at LFA. And uh, how you feeling about not only the matchup but fighting in the co-main event, I believe, on Axis TV? Yeah, no, I feel great about it. You know, training camp's going well. I'm from San Antonio originally, so I'll be back on my home ground uh, in my hometown. I'm, uh, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, as far as matchup goes, uh, you know, Larry Crow, he's a dangerous guy. You know, he's explosive, uh, athletic. He'll definitely be the most physically imposing person that I've fought yet. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he, he lacks in cardio, and uh, his chin's a little suspect. So I look to go in there and, uh, you know, touch him a few times with my left hand and, and uh, see if he's still there. Nah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, at, at this point, you know, uh, I'm not really worried about experience at this point. I'm just looking to fight uh, better opponents uh, and like I said you know take it to the next level and, you know the only way to do that is by challenging yourself and taking on you know tougher and more skilled uh, opponents and do when you visualize your career I mean how how far away are you from that UFC debut in your mind you know uh, once again that's not something that I can control if it was up to me I'd already be there you know so oh, so you feel I, like you're ready in terms of skill Man, I think I, yeah, I think I can hang in there, uh, you know, go in there and dominate in, uh, the UFC. Uh, but, you know, if it takes one more fight, two more fights, five more fights, whatever, uh, I'm going to do what I have to do to, to, to get there. That's what I like to hear, man. And, I mean, it's all about getting that experience. So getting to fight in the co-main event of a car like this, I mean, that's only going to take you to that next level. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, me personally, the, the, I feel like the more pressure I'm under, the better I perform. Uh, so, you know, it's I don't even think it's an experience thing. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be good to go in there and see some some bigger, stronger, more athletic, more skilled uh, opponents. But then at the same time, uh, I feel like I'm, you know, the best middleweight in the legacy, uh, on, on in the legacy, um, you know, on, on the legacy roster already. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens when we get there, man. But I'm, I'm, I'm confident that I can take on all comers uh, in that middleweight division. Dude, how do you feel about what LFA is doing? Because to me, it's so damn cool how they merged, and it literally is the direct feeder into the UFC. And it's just so cool to see something like that. Because, I mean, back in the day, we had the WEC, 
And uh, now we got the LFA, man. Yeah, I think it's badass. You know, they fight damn near every other weekend. They're going to places like Denver, Colorado. So they're branching out from Texas and, you know, taking over that West Coast. You know, I, I just see them, you know, having fights in every region of the United States. Uh, so, you know, that's cool and exciting. You know, maybe I get to go out to, you know, wherever, uh, Colorado, California, wherever they go, you know, it'd be an opportunity, opportunity to fight. Uh, and I think that's the experience that I'm lacking is, you know, traveling, um, you know, and, and fighting on, you know, away from home. You know, everywhere I've fought so far has been, you know, within a few hours of, of Birmingham where I live. So, you know, now I, I, you know, get a chance to deal with, you know, traveling to, you know, San Antonio, which, you know, you got to take a plane and you put on weight when you fly. and You know, just seeing how everything goes with that. Uh, make no mistake about it. Like I said, I'm from San Antonio, so this is a hometown fight for me. Um, so, you know, like I said, the more pressure, the better for me, the better I perform. Uh, so, you know, I'm looking to go in there and, you know, and uh, get a quick KO victory uh, within three minutes of the first round. Hell yeah, man. That would, uh, that would be quite the statement to make, especially against a dude that's had, uh, you know, 15 pro fights. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, Larry Crow's, you know, he's got a lot of experience under his belt, uh, but he's been finished the last two fights, uh, his last few fights. Um, you know, I, I pack a wall up with this left hand. So, like I said, I'm, I'm going to land it uh, early and often in the fight, and uh, we'll see how, how, how his chin holds up. Hey, what do you think about this upcoming rematch between uh, Tyron Woodley and... Uh... And Wonderboy, man, because the first one was great. I thought T. Wood had the perfect game plan. You know, because with a guy like Wonderboy, you know that in order to beat a good karate guy, you need someone that can close that distance. And I feel like there's no one better at closing the distance than Tyron Woodley. Yeah, I, I, I think the matchup's going to be the one who makes adjustments better. Uh, because when a draw, obviously, you know, it went back and forth. The argument could be made, you know, who won. Uh but I, I think it's going to come down to, to who, who makes more uh, better adjustments uh, for the, and game plans better for the, for the opposition. Um, I think Tyron Woodley needs to get in there and wrestle more than he did. I think uh, Stephen, I think Wonderboy, after seeing you know, and feeling Tyron, uh, Woodley's power and speed, that uh, he'll, have the adjust, he'll have the advantage in space. Uh, so Woodley will definitely have the strength and speed advantage uh, in the clinch. So uh, I, I think that's where he should take it. Keep him on the cage, keep him on his back, uh, and see if he can't finish him off with some ground and pound. Um, if not, I think we'll see Woodley's t chin test it. Uh, and Wonder Boy is not the one you want running that test. That's a good point, man. I'm, I'm so pumped for that one. And who you got between uh, Khabib and Tony Ferguson? Because, I mean, Khabib's been literally grown manning everyone. He's 24-0 and 0 in MMA, which is absolutely unheard of. But when you talk about a guy like Tony Ferguson, nine-fight win streak. He's got his own funky style that he brings to the table. And, uh, man, if anyone can give Khabib a challenge, it could be Tony El Kukui Ferguson. Man, this is the thing about uh, Khabib. Uh, I think Tony's long and rangy. He's going to be able to keep Khabib off him for a little bit anyways. Uh, we saw in that Michael Johnson fight, uh, Michael Johnson touched Khabib. And, you know, he didn't knock him, knock him down and knock him out or wobble him or anything, but he certainly rung his bell a little bit. You know, you saw Khabib have to take a step back, blink his eyes a little bit, which means that he got rocked a little bit. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, 
Nebu Khabib's chin is a little more suspect than people uh, would like to realize. Man, another thing about that fight with Michael Johnson, you know, I was just re-watching it the other night, and uh, so Michael Johnson stuffs three takedowns in a row, and then he goes for a guillotine. I'm like, what are you doing, man? And then obviously, yeah. you know, Khabib gets the top position and pounds him out in that round. So I feel like, uh, you know, slight adjustments on Tony's part, and he can go out there and literally hand Khabib his first defeat. Yeah, Tony Ferguson's got a six submission game, so... Uh, but man, I just don't think there's too many people in that in that you know in that lightweight division that have an answer for Khabib's ground and pound. So uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, that one's gonna be, I'm, I'm gonna have to see what the Vegas odds are on that one. Uh, I might, might have to put some money down. Oh yeah. Well, dude, last time I checked, Tony Ferguson was plus one seventy five. I was expecting a pick'em. Yeah. Well, man, we'll see. Like I think that. Uh, Man, if I had to pick right now today, I'm gonna go with Tony Ferguson, uh, just because like he's got sick, uh, sick jujitsu, um, and his striking is all quirky and you know unpredictable. So, um, I, th- I think I think he might be able to knock be about. Man, you I'm better call, go ahead and call the knockout. Fuck it. You better jump on those odds quick, man. You know yeah, what I'm no. saying? Plus one seventy-five. I don't think that's gonna stick around for a while. Uh, probably not. Hey, did you see uh, the Black Beast versus Travis Brown? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I'm not a Travis Brown fan, so. Either am uh, I. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I'm glad that, that Derek Lewis uh, won. Uh, funny thing is, uh, Larry Crow was in, uh, the guy I'm fighting was in uh, Derek Lewis's corner. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so that guy, he's got a lot of experience, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to fighting. Oh, that's interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the, the best part of the fight is uh, Derek Lewis's uh, interview afterwards. Oh, man. Man, yeah. Brian Stan's reaction was hilarious. He, he did not he expect what, that. He didn't know what to say or do. He should have just gave the mic to uh, Derek Lewis and said, take it from here, man. You. <laughs> man, it's so awesome. I, I, I kind of like how uh, these dudes aren't being politically correct anymore. The guys that are... You know, it's like almost like they're not being rewarded, but at the same time, you still got to go out there and perform. But you see what I'm saying with a guy like George Masvidal. You know, he's always been a great fighter, but once he started calling people out and then he's getting the big fights and he goes out there, gets his opportunity against a guy like Cowboy, and now he's got a top five ranking under his name. Man, I I just think you have to be organic. You know, if you're the type of person, you know, if that's your personality to go out there and, and say some outlandish stuff and, you know, Ask where Ronda Rousey's fine ass is at. Like, that, that, that's not going to fly. Coming. Like, if it's not you, it's not going to be funny. People aren't going to like it. So I say just be yourself, you know. If, if you're just, you know, kind of monotone and, you know, you're politically correct, then be politically, politically correct. But if you're a Derek Lewis or a Rampage type, then let your personality show. Yeah, I 100% agree with that because – to your point, man, all those dudes that were trying to be like Conor McGregor, it wasn't funny at all. So it definitely has to be organic. And I feel like a guy like Masvidal, a guy like Derek, the Black Beast Lewis, they are very original and organic. Yeah, Jeremy, you see, Jeremy Stevens got his ass shot down real quick trying that. Oh, man. That, that was bad, dude. That was a... Uh... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he got shut down for sure, man. So man. Jeremy Stevens should have just been Jeremy Stevens, kept quiet, knocked people out. And then maybe he would eventually got it. Now he look like an asshole. So. <laughs> and, dude, that actually reminds me. You know, it, I was originally never going to talk about it, but it looks like 
Connor versus Floyd might actually be a, a real thing. And what I want to know is, you know, is Floyd going to make this quick or is he going to drag him out for 12? Because in a boxing match, I mean, obviously, y you know what the deal is, man. You're a fighter. You know that this shit wouldn't be close at all. But what I'm wondering is, would he be able to come back the same to MMA if Floyd does decide to drag it out for 12? Floyd is never, ever, ever going to participate in an MMA event. If the money's right and Floyd and uh, Connor wants to box him, they can box all day long. Con Floyd's going to win. Connor's cardio is questionable, and I don't think he's going to be able to hit. Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to hit Floyd. Uh, Floyd box box the best in the world, big, small, hard hitters, and good, solid technical boxers, which Connor McGregor is not. Uh, so I, I I just don't see unless he just gets lucky and and, and catches Floyd, but. You know, 49 and 0, we've seen how many times that's happened. Oh, yeah, dude. I think it would be an absolute massacre. But what, I, what I'm trying to ask you here, man, is do you think that Connor could return the same? If he goes all 12 with Floyd somehow, you know, is he going to be able to come back and face the Khabib versus Tony Ferguson winner and still be the same guy that he was before? Because I feel like Floyd might change his life. That, that's what I'm trying to say, man. Man, when was the last time Floyd knocked somebody out? Probably Victor Ortiz, but but the thing is, all these dudes he's been fighting are, are actually boxers. You know what I mean? Like, they're yeah. all legit dudes. Like, and, and uh, a 49-0 and guy fighting an 0-0 guy, like, it's just kind of fucked up to me, you know? Yeah, well, Connor asked for it, so if Connor gets knocked out, that's on Connor. It's true, and he's going to get, like, 100 mil, so, you know, you can't feel too bad. It's just, I, I, I want to know if you'd come back the same. Like, I'm, I'm super curious about that. Oh. Uh, well, I don't know. It's not like in his other – like when he fought uh, Nate Diaz, he was well on his way to getting knocked out, and he shot in for, you know, a single leg and took the easy way out. Um, I just don't – you know, he, obviously you can't do that in boxing, so he's just going to have to take it. But like you said, you know, $100 million in your pocket, you know, I'll be all right. You can take me out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, man. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, Floyd gets him out of there quick or if he does decide to take him through the whole 12, man, like – I, I, I think if, if Floyd's a smart guy, man, he may not be able to, you know, he's probably not, you know, too, he's not like intellectual, but inside the ring, he's a genius. Oh, he's right? a total genius, man. So, I think that he knows while Connor still has, uh, when he's fresh, he's obviously going to be more dangerous than in the latter rounds. And he even said on TV, I was watching SportsCenter today, uh, that, you know, he dances around Connor, gives people their money. Money's worth and the ends it. So, you know, we'll see. I hope the fight happens, you know, whatever. Okay. I'm awful by getting paid however you can get paid. So get your money, Connor. Man, that makes sense that uh, that Floyd said that because, I mean, that's obviously – that makes the I, most sense, you know, because that way the fans get their money's worth. He doesn't get knocked out right away, and there's still going to be a, a dramatic finish to it. So I'm glad Floyd said that. I just think it's crazy that Floyd – you can make the argument for Floyd being the greatest boxer of all time will come out of retirement to fight somebody who has never boxed before. <laughs> Money talks, man. <laughs> That's all there is to say. But man, you know, there's got to be somebody else out there that, you know, people will pay to see. Uh, but I mean, pay, whether you want to see Floyd win or lose, you want to pay to watch him fight. But here's the thing, man. You know, like, a lot of us, you know, hardcore fans like you or myself, yeah, we'd pay to see Floyd, you know, Floyd against Danny Garcia or, you know, yeah. another good boxer, and it'd be cool and all. And, you know, maybe it does 700K pay-per-views, but this one in particular, even though the guy's O&O, &O, even though it's a freak show fight, 
it's going to do like something stupid. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, like I said, you know, it'd be funny if, if Floyd went out there and, you know, knocked him out in the first round. <laughs> he totally could. He totally could. Hey, but at the same time, man, Connor hits hard as hell, so we'll see. He will, he'll have, you know, what do they fight with, 10-ounce gloves, 12-ounce yeah. gloves? Um, certainly a little bit bigger than a 4-ounce boxing glove, but I'm, I'm interested in seeing the matchup. You know, it's funny to say that Conor McGregor has a puncher's chance because, like, in MMA, you know, he's got, you know, he, he's, a, he's a two-division world champion. But in boxing against a guy like Floyd, it's he literally has a puncher's chance. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that kind of funny to say about an athlete like Conor McGregor? Yeah, an athlete who is not a professional boxer. That's like me taking on, you know, that's like me fighting or me um, – me playing uh, Steph Curry one on one. Never gonna win that. Never. Not in the horse. Not anything with a basketball. Not twenty one. It's over with. Yeah. I may score some points. You know, I may put up. You know, I might get lucky and, and, and drain a three or, you know, hit a layup or something. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's gonna be a lot to a little. You think if they did kickboxing that, I mean, obviously it'd be closer, but you think Floyd would still win? Because I'm curious about that kicking distance. Like, no takedowns, but kick, but kickboxing. Nah, you know how Floyd is, man. It's going to be his stipulations and his stipulations only. Floyd ain't probably never thrown no kicks, so. And Connor relies and uses kicks, so. Yeah, Connor, Connor would head kick, you know, uh, Floyd for sure. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Uh, when I saw Madonna fight Floyd the first time, like Madonna was doing all kinds of you know dirty shit for boxing standards, but in MMA, like the dude's got a good tie clinch. The dude like threw a couple knees. I was like, all right, like I'd love to see yeah. Madonna in a MMA fight. You know what I'm saying? He also punched Floyd in the dick like six times. So yeah, <laughs> how'd you score that their first fight, man? Because I actually thought uh, Madonna might have got it, but my boys were saying, nah, man, it was a uh, seven to five. Floyd. Oh uh, man, I really don't remember the, the fight in particular. I just every time I watch Floyd fight, you know, people say he runs, but this and they, that's what that's what you do when you box. We're, we're boxing. We're not in a bar. We're not brawling. You know, I'm gonna hit you without you hitting me, and that's that's the name of the game in boxing. And uh, I just think that there's nobody better ever to, to with that style to to have boxed. So, you know. Uh, they can say what they want about Floyd. Floyd is definitely one of the most skilled boxers to ever lace up a pair of gloves and step in that boxing ring. I agree with that, man. And, uh, you know, the running thing is just, you know, it, it's about uh, entertainment for people who, you know, either d don't train or don't fight or whatever because, you know, for someone who, who has, you know, a lot of experience, whether they fought or not, maybe they've trained before, it doesn't have to be the most exciting fight, you know, in terms of the casual eye for you to be entertained. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like, sure. a, I love a lot of fights when dudes are clinching. It just depends on what's going on. If if they're stalling, that's one thing. But if they're working, man, I respect it. Yeah, like people always not GSP for for wrestling all the time. I'm like, man, look, think about from G. Why I take the risk of getting knocked out when I can just get on top of you and pound you out for 25 minutes. You know, I'll, you know, I think that's more demoralizing than getting knocked out, you know. That's more of an ass-whooping to, to lay on top of somebody. You can't get out from underneath me, and I'm throwing elbows and punches and splitting you open. Like, he busted Carlos Condit all the way up, uh, you know. So, you know, whatever. 
to the casual fan, it may not be entertaining, but to, to people who actually know what they're looking for and looking at, you know, it, it's pretty entertaining to see guys like Floyd and GSP fight. Man, and GSP had to overcome adversity in that fight too, man. I mean, to, to get knocked out from that head kick and then come back and get a takedown 30 seconds later, that that speaks volumes, you know, to his mental fortitude and his uh, competitive spirit. Oh, for sure. There's very few, excuse me, there's very few fighters like GSP. And I'm glad that, you know, he, he's talking about making a comeback and he's returning to whatnot because uh, I thoroughly enjoy watching him fight. I enjoy watching him fight too, but I, I want to talk to you about that, man, since you brought it up because... You know, with every great fighter, it eventually comes to that point where they're not as great as they used to be. You know, with Chuck Liddell, with Anderson, and with GSP, he literally left on top, which you don't see a lot of athletes do. You know, but who am I to tell someone not to come back? But the question here is, you know, can he come back and still compete at the highest level? Because, you know, the last time he fought was uh, 2013, man. Man, well, you know, GSP seems like he's pretty, you know, dedicated and disciplined to his training regimen. And I don't see him veering off track, uh, you know, too far, even though it's been several years since he fought. GSP is also, you know, a fairly smart individual, and he's not going to come back if he's not ready. Um, I think he knows his body. He knows how to train for fights. Uh, So if he's not ready, he's not going to come back. Or if he doesn't think he's capable of, he doesn't seem like too egotistical or have like a complex or anything that he feels like he needs to fight. I'm sure he's got plenty of money. Uh, and you know, a lot, you know, financial security. So if he's coming back, you know, uh, I think that he knows that he's ready and he's more than capable of uh, winning some fights. That's a really damn good point, man. You know, because I, I was always thinking about it from the angle that I presented to you in terms of you know, you know, the the window of opportunity in, in terms of of a fighter's prime. But that's a really great point. He is a smart guy, and he wouldn't come back unless he thought and his camp thought that he was ready. So now the question is, does he take on a guy like Anderson Silva? You know, even though it's five years too late, it's still better late than never? Or are we talking, uh, you know, GSP versus Tyron Woodley? Man, I think that Anderson Silva's too big, you know? Like, Anderson Silva's probably like 220 pounds in between fights. I don't see GSP getting up that big uh, or even close to it. So, And Anderson's like 6'2". How tall is GSP? Like 5'10"? Yeah, yeah. I, I just think that the the size differential is too much for that fight. Uh, however, I think it's a winnable fight for GSP. I think Anderson's slowing down, uh, or he's definitely slowed down. His chin is, you know, he's gone. Um, he's always been susceptible to the takedown. So I mean, it's a winnable fight for uh, GSP. He'll certainly be in better shape. Um, but you know, I, I think he should stay in his weight class. I feel you on that, man. And, hey, before we get out of here, man, what do you think about uh, about the UFC middleweight division? You know, when you eye that top 15 and that top 10, what do you think about these killers like Robert Whitaker and Jotko and then obviously the guys like Weidman and Rockle? What do you think about the UFC middleweight division? Uh, I, I think it's wide open at this point. I think the top five guys, are they're aging. They're all, you know, 38, 40 years old. Uh, and then you got those middle tier, like those uh, 10, you know, you know, six through ten, like Whitaker, and uh, I'm not sure where Derek Brunson's at right now, but he's certainly up there. Um, I think the young guys are not as good as the older guys, but the older guys are, you know, they're 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 going to start, you know, retiring and stop fighting here pretty soon in the next few years. So that'll leave the middleweight division wide open for anybody. 
I, I, I think Whitaker's next, though. I don't think Robert Whitaker will eventually win the title. What do you think about uh, Musasi and uh, Chris Weidman? Because they're about to fight each other. And I think it's a really interesting style matchup. A lot of people are counting out Weidman because, you know, he has dropped his last two and Musasi is on a roll. But stylistically, man, hasn't it been the wrestlers that have given Musasi the most problems? Yeah, if Chris Weidman will wrestle and stop trying to throw wheel kicks and, you know, spinning back kicks and stuff, do it. <laughs> hey, man, you know, uh, Wonder Boy can do all that. He's been doing it his whole life. But Weidman needs to stick to what got him the belt in the first place. Yeah, he knocked Anderson out, but uh, you know, that's because Anderson was, you know, playing around and, you know, being Anderson, you know, Anderson was being Anderson, you know, a fight too late, you know. Um, I think Weidman should go in there, get the takedown, and ground and pound. You know, don't, you know, don't stop doing that stupid stuff that got you beat by, you know, Luke Rockle and other guys that you're more than capable of beating. Yeah, we'll definitely have to see what he does, man. Well, Eric, it's going down. You, Larry Crow, LFA six. Uh, March tenth. Uh, it's a Friday. Uh, you know, Friday, March, March tenth. Awesome on Axis TV. So let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, you guys can follow me anywhere: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all Eric Anders. E R Y K. A-N-D-E-R-S. Uh, and I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, to uh, some of my sponsors. Uh, EW Motion Therapy. Um, uh, TAP, Together Assisting People. Uh, Magic Box Conversation Club. Try One Cryotherapy. Geared Up Nutrition. Uh, VitaFlow. Uh, and MedHelp. Uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a hospital. My man, uh, Dr. Jordan Vaughn, Greg Waters, uh, always get me squared away on my blood work and whatnot. Hey, real quick, what's that cryotherapy like? Does it really help you recover? I think so. Yeah, it does wonders for me. You know, I, I, you know, it, uh, it really helps alleviate soreness, uh, gets my legs back under me so I can train longer and harder the next day. Um, you know, I try, I try getting there about three times a week. Is that what you would recommend for, like, a clean athlete? Because, like, someone that's not trying to take, you know, any kind of juice and is trying to do things naturally, is that the best way to recover? Because with a lot of these sessions, they're so intense that you really have to be mentally strong to go back in there for that second or third session. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Uh, like I said, I, it's, it's worked wonders for me. Uh, you know, I, I would recommend it to anybody, um, you know, whether, you, you know, you're having joint pain or uh, you're just looking to – to get your legs back under you for your next training session. Perfect. Well, Eric, thanks again for the time, bro, and uh, best of luck in the fight, man. I appreciate you. You got it, man. Have a great day, dude. Thank you, too. Joining me now is the man taking on David K. Friday, March 24th, center stage, Atlanta, Georgia, NFC 92. I'm talking about Jeremy Hitham Holloway. Jeremy, welcome to Half the Battle, man. What's going on, Daniel, man? Thank you guys for having me. Oh, it's yeah. always a pleasure. Oh, you got it, man. It's it's my pleasure. And, uh, dude, I, I got to get right down to business. You're taking on Vic K in the main event, Atlanta, Georgia. How do you feel about the matchup, dude? Um, I'm really confident about the matchup. You know, it's been a it's been a long time coming. I knew this uh, matchup was actually going to come. It was just more of when it was going to happen in my career and what stage was I going to be at mentally, you know, was I going to be prepared for this fight. But now <laughs> the timing is perfect. Oh yeah, you guys were were supposed to run it back, back in the day. Well, not well, not so much as run it back. Um, 
it was a mix-up back when I fought Dudley Spence, you know, um, after the contract and everything was put in. There was a flyer that came out with me and Vic K. So it was, everybody was thinking, you know, okay, this is the fight that's going to happen, you know, Hollow and Vic K, but, you know, I was already signed to fight Dudley. And in all honesty at the time, you know, um, my camp really wasn't going the way that it was supposed to go because I really didn't have a home as far as a gym, so I was just bouncing around all over the place. So at the time, it really didn't make sense to fight Dave. But now, I mean, it does make sense. You got a lot of experience. And it's kind of interesting, man, because with your style, you know, I've seen you knock guys out. I've seen you choke guys out with guillotines. I've seen you go the full three-round distance. I mean, what what kind of fighter do you consider yourself? You know, a, a well-rounded mixed martial artist, or is there a certain area that you like to gravitate towards? Um, ultimately, man, I'm a boxer that learned to play the game. Um, now, where I'm at now in my career, I'm, I'm getting back to my roots, but... I've, I've, I've overlooked my career, you know, it's how I got those submissions. And um, it was just one of the things, man, I just I just learned everything about the game once I, once I transitioned over from boxing. So I wouldn't really consider myself one particular type of fighter because I consider myself, you know, playing things as they come to me. If I had my, if I had had it my way, it'd be standing the entire time. Definitely, man. Now, uh, with a guy like Vic K, you know he's a grinder. I mean, you watch this guy's fights and uh... – you know he runs he runs right across the the cage and uh, he yep. tries to grind dudes out for uh, three straight rounds. So how do you feel about that particular style? Um, it's not really you know nothing to take away from Dave because he's a great fighter, but it's it's nothing. It's not, it doesn't take a rock scientist to figure out you know this guy's got one game plan. He's gonna reach across and try to you know try to grab you. You know um, every fight I've watched, you know literally it's almost been the same setup. He comes out, he throws a big kick, a few big straights, and he's clinching you. You know, um, only thing I didn't like, you know, with the, with the Cody Wilson fight and the Jared Gooden fight, I think they made the mistake of initiating grabbing him. Because I mean, even though they were he, that was his game plan, he wanted to clinch. I noticed that they were really working pretty good game plans until they decided to grab him. So, uh, play his game um, so much as far as you know, looking to engage in the clinch or in close quarters. I got a question for you, man. Before you became a pro fighter that gets paid to fight, were you uh, the kind of guy that would, you know, fight anytime, any place, and anyone? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, even uh, before this fight coming up with Vicky, I heard you took a Muay Thai fight, and to me, that that's super badass. That you know, it's like uh, just fighting is a part of your nature. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was that was kind of crazy because um, I moved to Texas back in June. You know, just for one to get more exposure. When I got into MMA. Um, Granted, I, I love the love that I get at home. I love the love, you know, of of being familiar, you know, being that familiar face, you know. But as far as that local thing, man, it, it, it can kind of burst your momentum pretty quick. You go, you know, out of your comfort zone and you're getting it handed to you by guys that hadn't even made it pro yet, you know. And um, I think me coming out here is allowing me to grow. And, and I wanted to get some exposure. So, like I said, I've been out here, been in these guys' faces for six months. Couldn't find me a matchup, so uh, the guy, Mike the Truth Jackson, he uh, fought against Mickey Gall, I think, for yeah, his yeah. UFC debut. And uh, he was 3-0 and at the time as a boxer. And it was like about six days out. I was like, hey, would you like to fight? I'm like, eh, what is it? You know, but the guy doesn't want to do MMA. And he doesn't really have a record. I don't think they would sanction it. So uh, he wanted to do a tie fight. I'm like, sure, I'm up for it. And the guy, he comes off as a character, man, you know. And um, I just went there, did what I had to do, and it was perfect timing because I needed something, you know, to get the rust off. 
apparently before fighting day because I haven't fought in 10 months, so it was perfect timing. And uh, we've seen everything we needed to work on, so now it's just fine-tuning, man. Dude, it's interesting because on, on your official record, uh, the Mike Jackson fight, I mean, that's an MMA fight. Was, was it MMA or was it Thai? Yeah, it, it, was, it was a Thai fight, and that's that's the one thing I was kind of worried about because um, it went on my MMA record, and nothing to take away from Mike, but, man, the dude's 0-1. And, and then it's going to show a 7-2 and guy fighting an 0-1 guy for a sanctioned MMA bout. Right. So it doesn't really, it doesn't really look that well. But, um, yeah, I've seen that. They put it on my record. I mean, hey, it's another win, right? Yeah. But I was really hoping, you know, that was going towards my Muay Thai debut. How did the fight go down? Because I didn't get a chance to watch it. I couldn't find the film anywhere. But, obviously, you won. How did it go down? Oh, um, I'll be sure to send you guys a link. But, yeah, man, it's more like him. Uh, basically, I gave him a tour of the cage. <laughs> I, I take him to one side. I'd show him, you know, what the view was on the other side. Um I showed him the nice area by the DJ's booth. So, yeah, I just I just gave him a tour of the cage, you know. There you go. Pretty much hands down. Um, yeah, yeah, I had nothing for me. But other than that, uh, he was really slick, though, as far as his movement. I will give him that. Was it interesting fighting a character like that? Because I know you fought UFC vets before. You've been in there with guys that are well-known. Or was it just another day in the office for you? Well, for at first, you know... Um, I didn't really know how to take it because he he plays he does a lot of a lot of things that weren't called for for this level of organization, and um, they were just like don't pay him any attention. He's a character, but you know I knew it was their boy. So not went there and let him know you know from the beginning. When I, I mean I touched him with the left hook and you know put him on wobbly legs like touch of the bell. And uh, he knew he was in a fight. He knew he you know he had no time to play around. He tried to play it off. You know once we got to the third round and he realized it was over for him. Now, dude, that was actually the first time you've been to a decision since your fight with Warren Smith, I believe, and it's been a long time since then. So, you know, there's always a chance that when you're going in there with a guy like Vic K, that you're gonna go the full three rounds real hard. So, are you uh, you prepared for a three round war? I'm prepared for a three round war, but you know, I'll take out a couple of the um, you know a couple of properties. You know, you can subtract so the fact that I had on ten ounce gloves. And then the fact that I hit a guy, and once he felt my power, his his entire game plan went out the door, and he was just trying to survive for three rounds. Yeah. Um, with Vic K, man, I'm going to have on four-ounce gloves. Dude's got a pretty big head, nice-sized chin. Um, he's been KO'd, I want to say, at least eight times or more throughout his career. Now, I'm not counting on that, but... Um, I don't... I don't... With the game plan, you know, I don't really see him being effective unless he gets in the clinch and, and he's going to have a hell, a hell of a hard time trying to do that, you know. Um, I just don't really want to go too much into detail, you know. Yeah, that's but, fair. Uh, that's fair, man. But uh, you, you know what, man? Like, uh, it's interesting because we know in all his fights he goes to the clinch and you have mentioned how, you know, he has faced defeat in the past. But we also got to give him credit that, you know, he was able to bounce back from defeat and now he's on, a, I believe, an eight-fight win yeah, streak. Yeah, he's on an eight-fight eight win streak. And that, to me, is so much more important than trying to fight for the title because initially when this fight came about, I was enticed by the fight with, the possibility of fighting for the belt, you know, and that that's what it was, you know, you're fighting for the 170 title. Okay, cool. So when it comes time to talking contract and wait, you know, uh, it goes back to three five-minute rounds. So 
um, either way, to me, it was a good it was a good opportunity. Dude's on an eight fight win streak. That's more solid. Yeah, and you're fighting him in his hometown, main event. I mean, he's the hometown hero. Everyone loves him here in Atlanta. You said you're in Texas right now? Yes, sir. Dallas, Texas. That's awesome, man. Now, are you originally from uh, somewhere else in the South, or are you a Texas boy? No, I'm from North Carolina. Okay, okay. That's what's up, man. So, dude, I got to ask you about your fight with MVP because it was kind of interesting because with your style, I've never seen you run at a guy before. Was it kind of like you needed to close that distance because you know he is a karate guy or what was the deal? Oh, well, the deal was why I didn't have a plan. So that was pretty much it. I was like, close the distance, get as close as I possibly can to him and grab him. Because I knew the dude, like, the dude walks around to like 172. You know, like, Michael is very quick, but he's not very strong. So I felt like if I could grab him, but the only problem was once I actually grabbed him, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a plan. So that shit went out the door real quick. What exactly was that submission, man? Because, like, still to this day, when I watch it, I'm really not sure, like, what went down there. Like, was it, like, a toehold or something? I don't know if it was a toehold, but I knew he grabbed the top of my foot, and it kind of – um. I don't know, it's kind of almost like it was the same feeling as whenever I got uh, hit with that Achilles heel hook from Secor. Because the heel, he was turning my heel, my left foot inward to the right, counterclockwise up towards the ceiling as my toes were going the opposite direction. Damn, son. So, I mean, what goes through your mind in a situation like that? Because it's kind of a unique submission, you know what I mean? It's a unique situation for that to happen to you twice. Well, for me... I was trying to be sneaky and actually go for his foot. And uh, instead of grabbing the heel, I wrapped my arm around the ankle. And when he grabbed my foot, in all honesty, I kind of panicked because when he grabbed the foot, I'm like, oh, shit. You know, he grabbed the same foot. And then, you know, we were talking at the airport, and he was like, you know, when I grabbed the foot, he said, your eyes got really big. You know, he's like, I could kind of tell you didn't want me to grab that foot. And uh, that's when I stopped, you know, focusing on what I was trying to do, and I just panicked, man. Uh, the first time, you know, it almost it could have ended my career. Um, I had to, I was about out for 12 weeks. We thought my meniscus was gone, and surgery and all that. And, you know, when he grabbed it, I was like, flashback. Oh, man. But you know what? Would you consider it a, a good learning experience for you? Because you have bounced back since then, and now you're in a well, main yeah, event. Um, yeah, most definitely. I mean, right after that fight, I took my earnings, and uh, I, I spent about two to three months on the Gibson saw before I flew down to Texas. Because the whole point of me coming out here was for my training camp, but uh, things were going so well because of some of the guys I have access to now. Um, I just started to stay. I mean, it'd be crazy to leave. Before we I, get out of here, I got to get a prediction, dude. You, David K., March 24th, center stage, Atlanta, Georgia, NFC 92. How's it going to go down, Jeremy? <clears throat> Man, uh, it's the only way, one way it can go down for me to be victorious, and that's what I mean. I got to take him out of there, bro. You know, um, it's his hometown. I've seen some kind of shady decisions, so I've already got it set in my mind. I'm not dependent on the judges to do my job. Um, I'm coming in for the finish, man. I mean, I'm not saying that he can be knocked out. I'm not saying that he's not going to fight his ass off. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm telling you, I'm coming to finish him. Well, that's what the fans like to hear, man. I mean, we like guys that, that come to fight. And uh, how do you feel about taking him on in his hometown? I mean, is this a new experience for you, or have you beat dudes in their hometowns oh. before? 
I've been uh I've been on the NFC show what three times. I'm three and zero there. So to be honest, Mike, if you look at my career, I've bounced around everybody's backyard. I like being in a corner. It kind of makes you feel like that dog that's been in the corner that doesn't really like to fight. He's kind of timid. But when you leave him no other option, he bites the shit out of you. Yeah, exactly. And I, I love those circumstances. I love the fact that, you know, I'm not favored in this fight. So I'm kind of... The underdog. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Nah, I mean, well, to them, I'm the underdog. But, man, I'm just... I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for that moment, man, because there's going to be some salty mouths in that building. <laughs> I feel you, man. So is it like, a, a, you know, there's always pressure in any fight, no matter what, but is it a lot less pressure when you go to someone's hometown? Because I feel like if you're fighting in your hometown, you know, everyone expects you to win, whereas here the expectations are kind of lowered and you can just go out there and focus on you. Well, I've been there so many, well, I wouldn't say so many times because I fought there three times, but I've got, you know, a good amount of love from there, you know, it hasn't been like all great, but uh, I feel very comfortable in Georgia. You know, I got a lot of family in Georgia. I'm going to have quite a few people in the building. So uh, I'm going to feel right at home, you know, and then my thing is wherever I go, I make it my own, essentially. So. Awesome. Well, Jeremy, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been a pleasure, man. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Go ahead, dude. All right. Yeah, you guys can check me out as uh, Jeremy Hitem Holloway on Facebook. Be sure to like and share the page. Hitem Holloway, Instagram, as well as Facebook as far as my main page. Um, and you guys just, you know, make sure you're in the building March 24th because this is going to be a good one. Um, you're going to see two great guys go at it, you know, and uh, expect the show. Most definitely expect the show. Well, Jeremy, thanks again for the time, man. Uh, best of luck in the rest of training camp, and good luck in the fight, dude. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, man. Have a great day. There you have it, folks. Bilal Muhammad, Eric Anders, and Jeremy Holloway. Thank you so much for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.